I've learned uh, not to necessarily depend on what I have uh, thought of as church, uh, you know, but this is a new expression, a fresh expression of God's people. So I have learned that in the process and trying to disconnect from those kind of traditional models that we have uh, inherited as part of the church and, uh, uh, and feel the freedom uh, to, to try this, to try something new. We never called it church to start with at the, at the, at the apartment. You know, we called it get We never used the word church because, you know, the words church uh, means different things to different people, and, and, and it's not always positive. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. You're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalot cultivator of fresh expressions here in North Georgia, where the tea is sweet and I might be a little bit salty. I'm here today with my friend Tim Savell, and his story, his fresh expression story, has been one of my favorite to tell this last year. Um, Before we get there, though, Tim, I'd like for you to introduce yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your context. Okay, thank you. My name is Tim. Hello, everyone. Um, I am actually a second career pastor. I'm a retired school teacher whom the Lord called to the ministry following retirement. Um, and uh, as a Methodist, I was able to plug into the Methodist preparation track. Now, I'm a local pastor at two uh, Methodist churches, a two point charge um, in a little county uh, on the South Carolina line in Georgia. Uh, one uh, church, the bigger of the two, uh, has about uh, 50 members, about 20 to 30, uh, 25 to 30 active members. Um, and the smaller church has about a dozen on the roll and four active members. Wait, what? Uh, four? Four active members? Four active members. And uh, this uh, church is in a little tiny town, uh, This uh, about 12 miles from my other church, which is in the county seat. And uh, this particular little town is uh, a very poverty-stricken little town. Uh, was a mill town that uh, suffered the same demise as so many other little towns. And uh, our church is uh, about 125 years old. Uh, so okay. it's a very old Methodist church. It, through attrition, has declined in, 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 in attendance and enrollment over a period of many years. Okay, so how um, long have you been um, appointed to this two-point charge? How long have you been there? Uh, this is my first appointment, okay. and I have been uh, there for one year. I, I began in January of 2019. Wow, wow. I think your story is so important for, for people to hear because I, I truly believe that it is packed with possibility. Tim and I met about a year ago. Um, when I began this role as cultivator in the conference for Fresh Expressions and 
uh, we were we were giving out some micro grants to help people get started. And we started a conversation around um, fresh expressions in his particular context. And and um, and one might think that it was a larger church where you were talking about starting this fresh expression, but it was actually the smaller one. Yes. Um, and, and before we get there, I just I think um, it's important to say that this is an unusual time that we're having this conversation because it we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And uh, as I had shared in a previous podcast, it was certainly not the time that I had intended to start a, a podcast but truly the, the nature of Fresh Expressions is to determine what church looks like outside of a building or outside of our inherited models of, of church uh, and the walls that, that contain them. So um, perhaps it was for such a time as this that this podcast would launch. I don't know. Um, but we want to hear more about the, the story of um, the smaller the smaller congregation and, and, um, and how this fresh expression began to take root there. Um, but I'm curious, and, and maybe the answer is a little bit different today than it was a month ago, but what does Common Ground look for look like for you right now? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I kind of wrestled uh, with that idea of Common Ground, uh, uh, not not within a context that I'm in, but, but, but kind of generally and kind of seems like a sacred space where reality and vision kind of clashes, you know, comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent a couple of years in recovery ministry, uh, and I, and I remember one time expressing to a pastor friend of mine that I couldn't relate well uh, to this because I had never suffered from substance abuse. I'd never been an addict, and his response to me was, "Well, you don't have to be an addict uh, to minister to an addict." Amen. And so uh, that really that really uh, spoke to me because it means that uh, we don't have to have been. Uh, in the same shoes as those who were ministering in. We just have to love them and and, and uh, want to see God working in, in incredible ways in their lives. So I don't necessarily think it's about shared experience as much mm-hmm. as it is uh, uh, God's vision and, and, and a present reality for them. So that, you know, that was uh, kind of my initial thoughts on, on common ground. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be about struggle and suffering, but you know, it often is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're in the middle of, of now a major common ground. That's right. Struggling with the same reality. Um, you know, uh, I remember a story one time about a uh, African missionary uh, who had been in a village for four years uh, in an unfruitful ministry. Nobody had come to his worship services, and and uh, his little boy died, his son, and and so he was burying his son, and uh, uh, as he buried him, he was on the ground with his face uh, on the ground sobbing, and a villager happened to see this. And he went back to his uh, villagers, and he said, uh, the missionary cries like we do. Oh, wow. So his tears and his grief became a common ground. And after that point, uh, the village began to respond to his sharing of the gospel, and eventually the whole village uh, was uh, they uh, surrendered their lives to, to Jesus. That's beautiful. What a beautiful that, story. It is. It is. So that, that common ground, you know, I believe is a place often of suffering. And um, and I don't believe it's cerebral as much as it is visceral. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a place where we all have a, a shared 
a reality uh, in the heart, you know, not necessarily ahead. And Amen. it seems like when we're, uh, we kind of coalesce around struggle. Mm. Uh, so I believe common ground is a place where we can coalesce uh, around things that we all share. That's so good. Yeah, so good. And and when we talk about uh, when we talk about common ground, like you said, we we have different ideas about what that looks like. But truly, as um, people that have all been created in the image of God for a relationship with God, that is common ground that we all share, right? We've all yes. been created in that image. And, you know, when I think about recovery ministry, I, I think, frankly, we're all in recovery. We're in sin recovery. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. That is certainly a place of, of commonality because the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, is it not? <laughs> it is indeed. And and uh, so, you know, if that common ground I found in this space to be poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this little town, uh, that seemed to be the place where the connection point where we could step into their reality uh, in a place where uh, where they where we had an audience with them where they would listen and we could provide uh, what they needed and and we we, we shared that space together. Um, so there was a mutual listening really that was happening. You you listen and you heard there was a need. And then by virtue of your providing for that need, there created some space for you to, for, for them to listen. So for you to listen to each other and for, for that common ground to be shared between the two of you. And I know the, the story is, is a beautiful story because um, the fresh expression itself did not start just in and of itself as a fresh expression. It really started with that, um, what we what we say in the process of forming a fresh expression is that that first that listening, loving, and serving, and then mm-hmm. as that happens, you begin to build community. So how how did the whole uh, relationship begin? I guess with this particular um, it's apartment complex. Is that right? It is. Uh, my church is in a, a blue collar uh, uh, county driven by a mineral industry and. Uh, and that was the overwhelming reality when I got there. And, and so I stepped into this little church into an existing food ministry that was, had already been going on for some length of time before I got there. Um, and, and it ministered to people in that common ground of poverty. Um, uh, it, it connected those with means, which was the church, <laughs> with those with need. Um, in that apartment complex, and 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 there actually was several nodes of of this uh, of this uh, common ground. There was this apartment complex where we have dinner church uh, that is a uh, apartment devoted to those who are either disabled or elderly or both. Okay. Uh, there is a different apartment complex that has mostly uh, uh, young children and families and a lot of single parents um, in that particular community. Uh, but what made this uh, kind of a progression of, of events toward the dinner church was that this apartment complex for the disabled and elderly was the place where there was food ministry already going on. So this little church uh, that I became a part of was already delivering food to this apartment complex twice a month. Wow. And so we, we, we had that initial uh, connection uh, that the Lord opened the doors to make possible our, our dinner church. Uh, 
at some point. And I remember you saying, and I just want to make sure that everybody hears this one more time. This is your church of four. I think it was five when we first met. Someone moved and now it is four. And so they had this ongoing ministry. They were going twice a month. And I think it's, I think it's important for, for us to remember also that, you know, God certainly shows a, a preferential treatment for the, the poor, for the, yeah. the people on, on the fringe, for the least and the last, right? And so um, God certainly calls us to be in those places and spaces and, and, and says that we will see the face of, of Jesus when we, when we serve the least of these. And so what a, what a beautiful place to really kind of dig in. But I remember um, when we first started talking that the, um, when the summer uh, lunch program or the summer feeding program was um, about to, to wrap up that the church was a part of, that the apartment complex manager basically said, please, please keep coming like please and and essentially became your person of peace and opening the door for yes. this new reality yes um you know that we discovered that there was there were people in this community that had the same desire and passion that we did uh to minister on this common ground and and so uh, this person uh, the apartment complex manager was our person of peace um and uh, she was one of those which we were able to develop a relationship with. I, I remember the day I met with her the first time, uh, the Lord was leading me toward this, uh, uh, what became Dinner Church uh, eventually. And and I stopped by her office, uh, just sat down, introduced myself because she knew we were delivering food, but had never been there when we actually delivered it. Oh. And uh, so she, uh, even though she was acquainted with a couple of the ladies in our church, did not uh, know how this was happening. So I just went by kind of like a cold call <laughs> and I sat down, I just chatted with her a while. And I said, you know, you know, we have, uh, this, uh, ministry we're already doing, we're bringing food to your, uh, complex, uh, residence. And she was so grateful. And then after a few minutes, I said, uh, you know, we were just wondering if at some point, uh, you would allow us to, and I never finished the sentence. Wow. And she Yes, because <laughs> she could see where I was going with this. Uh, so I think she was definitely a person of peace. That's beautiful. Uh, so she started. She are she, she saw the value in what you were doing already, and yeah. and certainly wanted to to leave the door open for you to continue to do that. And um, you know, God, that's God going before us, like God does, right? Um, yeah the doors yes god god was already working there he was just looking for the the person to come in and say i see you you know yeah. <laughs> that's good so how i guess i'm i'm curious as to what the conversation was like when um you first uh proposed this to your congregation of then five um as far as the possibility of having this dinner church lunch church situation um on a regular basis at the apartment complex. What, what, what did that conversation look like? How did you invite them to, to join you to be a part of that? Yeah, well, uh, it was interesting because uh, I didn't mention this initially. You know, I've been praying about this and feeling the Lord leading us in this direction. Um, but it's interesting that one Sunday, uh, two, different, uh, two different ones of these ladies in this church mentioned how nice it would be at some point if we could go down there and maybe uh, have uh, a Bible study or a meal. <laughs> How about that? 
so I'm, I'm hearing the Lord, you know, confirming uh, what I've been hearing him say so uh, through to other people. And when we sat down and had the initial conversation about this, um, I guess they were maybe a bit uh, uh, taken aback. Uh, I, it, it, they were receptive to it, but really had not thought in these terms. Mm. And, and I found the more that uh, I, I talked about it with them, the more I shared what a little bit I knew about dinner church at the time, uh, when I shared those things with them, they uh, began to kind of catch the vision. And uh, that was that was amazing to watch. I, I know the Lord had been speaking to them too in some way. Yeah, sounds like. I mean, you really, they have been doing this for some time as far as delivering food there, but I guess it was really just a kind of a paradigm shift in a, we've been doing this for, what would it look like to do this with um, and creating this this kind of sense of community amongst us rather than a us and a them, a, a more of a we. Yes. And uh, they were very receptive to uh, the focus that we we now, we, we now have as dinner church that the, the fresh expressions introduced me to, cause I had done some reading about it mm-hmm. and uh, they were very willing to go through the dinner church training videos that Verlin Fosner put together. And so we sat down and went for nine weeks uh, we went through the training videos that Verlin had put out and uh, you know, we prayed and we, you know, discussed it. You know, we had uh, engaged in conversation about this. Um, and the more that we did it, I, I could sense some more excitement that they had. There was reservations, of course. Uh, we talked through those. And so it was just a real blessed time as we prepared. Uh, it just amazes me what God, what God has done there, um, got done in and through your church um, as well. Uh, I think oftentimes we can look at older churches or even um, chronologically mature people that have been uh, formed by the church over decades and and. Um, and think, well, they'll never change or they'll never try something new or um, they won't make themselves uncomfortable. And it's just remarkable to see, you know, how, how the spirit has spoken to um, to all of you simultaneously, really, and yeah. and how much they are behind uh, making this a reality. So much so, Tim, I remember I, get, I got a call from another pastor um, somewhere in your area that was like, oh yeah, they're talking about this thing that they're doing over there and we want to do it too. And I was like, okay, hold your horses. <laughs> Let's back up. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit because you know, God had been, and you had been, um, you know, really digging into that soil and the church had been digging into that soil for a while and it, it certainly wasn't something that you just said, "Hey, let's go do this thing over there because it's good." Right. But but that you truly did t- do take the posture of listening and loving and serving and 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 building those relationships over time. Yeah, I really think that was a key here because I know uh, the story of, of many dinner churches is is going in and beginning uh, in a kind of a cold all uh, mm. situation. The, the the way that the Lord uh, um, unfolded this, the relationships were already in place yeah. and the connections were already in place, Yeah, uh, which that step had already been done before I really ever arrived. And that, so, and therefore trust, there's a lot more trust there, oh, right? Instead of coming in, um, you know, on fire with, I've got all the answers, right? <laughs> And nobody really wants to hear or cares what you have to say (laughs) because that trust and that relationship hasn't happened. 
Instead, those relationships were already formed. That trust was already there. And um, you have the ability to connect on a completely different level than you would have otherwise. And and um, I think that really speaks to what God's been able to do there with you. I know a lot of people are... Um, I guess in some ways more comfortable with the dinner church model. I think in some ways it's much more easily replicatable, right? I mean, you essentially have a flow to it. Um, it is in a sense. Um, I mean, a lot of us put the word church out there at the front, not, you know, some people call them community dinners or community mm-hmm. lunch or community breakfast or, or whatever you want to say, but um, it does in a sense have a flow to it, right? There is, Prayer yes. involved, there's a meal involved, a blessing involved, there's, you know, connecting around tables. We typically um, share some passage of scripture, uh, a story, um, whereas co- co- uh, contextualized churches that are in, um, you know, different kind of places like coffee houses or uh, restaurants or parks or whatever, that, that um, model might look a little different. It needs to be a little bit more contextually intelligent to the people that you're gathering with um, than than necessarily a dinner church or a lunch church um, model. So you need to be a little bit more sensitive. Um, What, I guess, what have you learned in um, in kind of launching this whole dinner church in this apartment complex that you think it's important for people to, to hear? Um, <laughs> well, it's been, the whole thing has been just, it's incredible learning experience. Uh, this is completely out of anything uh, that I was familiar with. Mm. And so I've learned, um, of course, the structure of dinner church. I've learned how these gatherings um, share elements with our uh our traditional church, our, our uh, traditional church models, uh, but also how it is um, they're arranged in in a different way, uh, in a way that uh, reaches into that common ground at, at a common place of need and provides for them. And so what I've what I've seen, what I've learned is how people respond uh, when we really connect in a common place. Mm. Because uh, sometimes we may think we know how to connect with them, but we don't always know that. And yeah. so to see uh, that kind of natural connection, knowing that it's God that arranged it, mm. uh, and that's why it works so well. You know, the Holy Spirit had gone before us and, and, and arranged this. So I've learned uh, not to necessarily depend on what I have uh, thought of as church, mm. uh, you know, but this is a new expression, a fresh expression of God's people. So I have learned that in the process and trying to disconnect from those kind of traditional models that we have uh, inherited mm-hmm. as part of the church and, uh, uh, and feel the freedom uh, to, to try this, to try something new. We never called it church to start with at the, at the, at the apartment. You know, okay. we, called it, we never used the word church because, you know, the words church uh, means different things to different people. And, and, and it's not always positive. Right. And, so we never used that word. Uh, you know, we gathered them in. Uh, we called it a gathering. We still do. Uh, we still don't use the word church, but it definitely has all the elements that you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, I know yes. you. I know you. You pray together. You pray over people. You speak to them. You share scripture with them, and 
um, invite. Story, yes, we share Jesus' story each time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've transitioned from, because I didn't want it to be a sermon to start with. I, yeah. I didn't want to preach like I do on Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the transition into uh, discussion around the tables, you know, where we, where I would share the passage of scripture and maybe kick out a question. And then I would have pages at the tables that would have the passage and some questions and, and turn them loose at the tables to discuss it. So good. Yeah. So so they're really connected with that. Yes. So everybody was engaged in the conversation. And I mean, if, if there's any common ground, um, you know, that, that we're missing here. It's frankly, we all have to eat, right? (laughs) We, when we're sitting around tables eating, um, it's a whole different environment than sitting in rows, looking forward and listening to someone. And so Mm -hmm. there's a whole different connection that happens when you share a meal with someone at a table. I think it's, you know, Jesus did a good deal of his ministry around tables with people Mm -hmm. that, um, that he encountered along the way, all sorts of, of people, uh, and there's something that's significant um, that happens in kind of taking down some walls, I think, mm-hmm. for all of us when we sit down and share a meal with another person, another human being, um, whether we know them or not already. Mm-hmm. So yes. how how is how how have you found God? It sounds like you have been um, unlearning and relearning some things, um, maybe <laughs> stepping outside of your comfort zone or even the um, predictable in a lot of ways. So how is God meeting you there in all of that? Okay. Um, yeah, he has definitely uh, been meeting and, and working with us. And, and I know um, one thing that you had kind of pointed out is lifting up Jesus in that context. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, I, I'll kind of spend some time with that and what that looks like. Um, and, and one thing that I believe we have tried to do is to point out, you know, who Jesus is for them. Mm. Uh, And we see this in the Psalms. I mean, it may sound a little bit arrogant that he is anything for us, but we know from the Psalms that he is our keeper. You know, he is our uh, rock. You know, he is our stronghold. He's our protection. And so to try to help people understand who Jesus is for them. And in in this context, in this particular place, uh, he is to them through us, a provider mm. uh, because uh, you know, uh, we know uh, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. Mm. And so through the food ministry and now the dinner church, we're providing something for them uh, is a, uh, a provider of a necessity of life. And, and so we, we see Jesus, uh, uh, we lift him up in that way. You know, he's the one that's providing through us, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and reaching into that space in, in an area of need. Uh, and so what I've seen there is God meeting us in that place um, and in a very powerful way because we are lifting him up, you know, and giving him uh, and giving him credit for this, letting yeah. them know who is is providing for them. And, and we've just seen his favor in so many mm. places. Uh, we've seen him grant us favor with grantors uh, because we're dependent on on grant money, our four little uh, church members and myself can't provide the resources. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's granted us favor with grantors and with people in the community. He granted us favor with the apartment complex manager. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's really showed up for us there. Uh, he's 
provided healing for those with whom we pray because we knew from the start that this was not just a charity. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was a ministry yeah. and, and initiated it that way. And then, of course, the gatherings have a uh, definitely a Jesus focus. Mm. And so we've, we know they've experienced, um, you know, inner and sometimes uh, a measure of physical healing through the times we spend in ministry there. Mm. Uh, so I just see him working in so many ways because we're glorifying him mm. and lifting him up. And, and we're reaching into that place with those, with those uh, residents where we're ministering to them and he is touching them in deep places. And, and I, my question to you, if I was to ask one of the, the women in your church, um, what has been provided to them in being a part of this? Because you've talked about what you're providing to the residents. What have the residents provided to you or what would they say has been provided to them by virtue of being a part of this? I think they would say that uh, they provided them uh, with a view of the church outside the walls. Mm. You know, we have spent so much time being inwardly focused, it seems, uh, that they have now got an an out there focus <laughs> rather oh, than so in here focus. And, and I really believe uh, that that has become vibrant and alive in their awareness. So, uh, so good. And also, I believe uh, that they become aware of how we can take uh, something that might be considered a charity mm-hmm. uh, by so many, and 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 Lord can shape that into a ministry where we're touching people not just with a physical need, but with a with a spiritual need, and connecting those together into one ministry. I think they've seen that probably and for the first time. Yeah, you uh, like you on paper. Like if people looked at your percentage of. Um, increase in um, church size, it would have like um, quadrupled overnight because of your your four ladies and then coming to that apartment complex and the interaction that you've had uh, and the community that you've been able to form there with those residents has essentially quadrupled um, or maybe even more than that. Um, the people that uh, the people of God, I should say there. Yes, yes. And and there are a lot of them. And, you know, it's interesting. You kind of went down that path of, of talking about the inherited models of the church yeah. and, and what this impact is that you just mentioned. I think one thing that has helped us to do is kind of um, is kind of disconnect uh, some of our our attitudes and, and that we've already always had about um, about church. You know, because in the inherited church, the focus so much of the time seems to be on Sunday attendance and membership. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's been a kind of a realignment mm. uh, experience for all of us uh, to see that uh, we can minister and have, make a difference in a community and be effective with the sharing of the gospel uh, without being focused on membership development and and so forth. That's so so poignant to the time for such a time as this, right? And the pandemic that, you know, when we have not been able to gather in our buildings or or even gather in large groups and may not be able to for some time, that that the church is much more um, than what happens on Sunday morning or what happens within the walls of a particular building, Um, that it is it is the people of God deployed. It is. It is. And I, and I think a, a key part of this is to uh, be able to uh, let go of maybe some some guilt. <laughs> mm. You know, 
because um, so there may be this feeling of this pressure that whatever we do out there uh, somehow has got to result in an in, in increase in here. Oh, that's so <laughs> and good. If it, if it doesn't do that, then it, it, we can have a sense of failure. Mm. And so we're spending all this time in this ministry, but we're not seeing an increase in weekly attendance at our Sunday worship or or growth in our church membership role. <laughs> and so it's easy to feel like a failure. And mm. so I, I believe this has given us a freedom uh, to do this without carrying that kind of a, a feeling of failure or guilt. So um, good. You know, feel free to do this uh, in an, just an amazing way. I think uh, I've heard a number of people saying recently that, um, you know, I, I think really the the world as a whole, but certainly the church is is building a, a resilience um, in 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 a um, building its skill set in innovation and creativity, right, and adaptability for in the season that we find ourselves in in this pandemic. But you know, mm-hmm. we 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 do like in um, any things that we try to, or we we do tend to think of them as in terms of winning or losing or succeeding or failing when. Um, you know, I, I really think that anytime we, we fail quote unquote at something or things don't turn out the way we think they should, or, or even the way we intended that there's something to learn from that and, and of great value. If we take the time to step back and look at, you know, perhaps what God was trying to show us, um, in that. And, and also that, um, like you said, I love, I love what you said about freedom, you know, that, that we have the freedom um, that we've been given the freedom to, to just try something, right? And, and yes. to trust God with the, the outcomes of that and that maybe everything, again, doesn't take, get the traction that we want it to get or to, to um, accomplish the purposes that we set forth for it to do or the goals that we have. But, but at the end of the day, that God, God is a generous sower. I mean, we read that in the Gospels. God is generous and, um, and does not withhold anything from any place. And, um, and, and God looks after that and, and we don't have to be responsible for, you know, seeing it through to the end, to what we think it's supposed to look like, but just to be obedient, to till the ground for that seed, (laughs) um, that God's been so generous to, to provide. And, um, and, and for some of us, it's to, um, to till the ground and to, um, water the seeds and for others it is to harvest and for others it is to, to, to help nurture. So, um, we all have a part to play in this and, and I appreciate you, you know, mentioning, um, that the freedom that we've been given to do that. And, and I think, I think perhaps some of the, um, some of the vision to see that in this season, um, that we all find ourselves in as well. Yeah. And one thing that I remember sharing with them one time was, Hey, we've got two campuses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? The, big, the mega churches that have multiple campuses. Well, this is the place. we have two campuses. You are a multi-site church now. That's exactly. so good. That's oh so yeah, good. That's true. Yeah. So what? What's one thing that you want people to know about finding and, and cultivating common ground? Um, I asked. I like to ask this question of of the people that I have on the podcast, and um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think. To me, uh, what I have learned in this process um, is that we it is the absolute necessity of, of finding and 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 cultivating this common ground. We need to pursue that relentlessly mm. uh, because um, 
you know, God has put us in places where he, he, he has for us common ground with people. He has places where we can sow and, um, and, 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 and till and, and cultivate this place. But we have to pursue that relentlessly. And, and I believe that's important. Uh, and when we find those places, you know, he gives us an audience there. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're listening to him and following his will, um, and, and we can do this in these common places in a way that, um, that honors those uh, in their spaces. Yeah, uh, and and not try to change them and bring them to a space that suits us. That's so good. And, and I think that's the element with common ground. You know, we can't try to draw them into our space. We have to go be with them in their space. That's so good. And, yeah, um, that's can, so so good. Well, I- yeah, we can do that well. Um, I believe it is incredibly incredibly effective. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul did. You know, because he tells us in First Corinthians nine that he became a Jew to win Jews. He That's became right. a Gentile to win Gentiles. So <laughs> you good. Know, you know, yeah. he uh, he became weak to win the weak. He became what he needs to be to win a few, and and that was kind of his approach. And no. I don't think we can emphasize strongly enough, I mean, what you said about, you know, that that this is this is basically the mission that we have, and that is that God's placed us where we are um, to be on mission with God and and essentially, you know, said, you know, come come follow me to these places and these spaces. And um Verlin Fosner says in his um dinner church or and says uh, constantly, you know that that the primary mission of the or the primary purpose of the church is to be on mission with God. That Jesus was sent on this rescue mission, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been called to join God on this rescue mission. And so, you know, being being intentional and obedient to that wherever God has placed us is is our primary task and what that looks like in a an apartment complex for um for a particular segment of the population versus a ball field or a coffee house is different but um at the end of the day that's 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 our that is our purpose that is our call and um and god has placed us where god has for such a time as this so i'm i'm curious what you might be reading now with all of this uh free time you have (laughs) And maybe what you're listening to. I don't know if you listen to podcasts or music that's inspiring you. Yeah, well, I'm actually reading um, um, about Paul, and 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 I've just completed one book. I already think I had read uh, maybe two, two, maybe three others about Paul, and I'm kind of on a mission to uh, to learn the man. Uh, because if we can become familiar with Paul and his context, you know, it kind of frames his theology differently. Yeah. And, and so I'm on this mission uh, to to uh, uh, to understand Paul's context. That's really what what I'm doing here, because I want to understand the Paul the man, but I want to understand Paul in the context in which he ministered, which probably looks very different than we think. You know. <laughs> so we, do we you remember the name of this book? Do you know what the name of this book is that you've been reading? Uh, I've read four of them, I think. I oh, my goodness. Read, you know, and they all on this subject, uh-huh. um, you know, of uh, uh, Paul in his context. 
Um, but you know, we have the idea that he's this great theologian, yeah. you know, that goes from city to city and stands in these grand places like the Areopagus and, yeah. you know, preaches this deep theology. And that's not the case. Right. You know, he was a cosmopolitan church planter. Well, yeah, you know, I, I did the journeys of cities. Paul. I did the journeys of Paul uh, <laughs> tour, I guess. Uh, gosh, it was almost a year and a half ago now. And um, and I got to know Paul in a whole new way. So when we get off, I'll if you can think of the 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 titles of what you've been reading, then I would love for you to share that with me, and I'll put it in the show notes. If people want to get in contact with you, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Are you on? I think you're on Facebook. Yeah. Well, actually, not. Uh, I have a Facebook account, but it, and our churches have a Facebook page. Each one of them. Okay. Uh, but I don't. I'm not, I'm really not on, on Facebook. However, uh, they can get on the NGUMC.org website. Okay. Um, they can email me because my email address is posted there okay. on our church page. Well, I will, I so will, that's, that's tim.savell at yeah. NGUMC.net, but I will put that in the show notes too, if people want to get in contact with you and have questions for you or, or want to hear more about um, what you're up to out there in the Athens Elberton mm-hmm. district. <laughs> That sound good? Yes. yes. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, Tim, thank you so much for spending this time with me today, for being on the podcast today. I'm going to send you a copy of (laughs) the the new uh, uh, field guide to Methodist Fresh Expressions written by our friend Michael Beck and George Acevedo. So that'll be coming your way. And we'll be doing um, an online podcast. zoom for that coming up in may so more details on that to come but thank you so much i really appreciate your time and um just blessings on your continued work and following the leading of the holy spirit in your community thanks so much tim yeah and thank you for your leadership in uh tilling this new ground uh for our conference um because uh you're the you 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 set uh you you started the sowing process and it's been very fruitful so thank you Thank you.